Welcome back to 3C Media. My name is Craig Crash Collins, and it's time to reflect on 2023. This year was full of so many incredible moments from the local and national sports scene. And as always, B. Scott and I were honored to break it all down for you. So before we say hello to 2024, let's revisit some of the topics you, the audience, enjoyed the most from the past 365 days. This is the best of 3C Media 2023, and we start things off with our discussion on what it would take for Patrick Mahomes to unseat TB12 as the GOAT. How close to seven rings does Mahomes need to get to unseat Brady as the GOAT? We always see the argument made uh, in basketball, you know, speaking of Michael Jordan, you know, people talk about like who's the best. When we've had this debate on our show even before, you know, who's better, Jordan or LeBron? Um, so I was like, let's have that same argument with Mahomes and Brady. Um, so MJ has six titles, uh, LeBron has four, Brady currently has seven, Mahomes currently has one. Um, and so, you know, kind of projecting that out. Uh, you know, how many would he have to win to uh, kind of get into that GOAT stratosphere? I think it's at least four for Mahomes. It's at least four, maybe five. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, Mahomes is finishing his age 27 season. Let's say he has a number th- another 13 to 15 seasons left. Uh, so winning three more times is very doable as far as, like, the years are there. Um, it's not like, oh, he's just now coming into his own at like age 33 and the window is shrinking. Um, you know, at the short end of that, he's on pace for 62,288 yards, which would put him eighth all time and 499 touchdowns, which would put him at fifth all time. Brady is first in both categories. Uh, Brady has three MVPs. Mahomes already has one. These are, these points are to say that Mahomes is on pace to have a career that even without the Super Bowls is right there with TB12. So he'd have the MVPs, he'd have the touchdowns. Touchdowns. He'd have the yardage. So the last thing, kind of in that uh, argument, would be how many Super Bowls has he won? Only three quarterbacks have won four Super Bowls. Obviously, Tom Brady, uh, Montana, and Bradshaw both have four. Um, all four are also over 500 in the big game as well. Brady is seven and three. Bradshaw and Montana is four and zero. Are four and zero. Look, the number is probably five here. Like I said, it's probably five because then you'd have those are the only two quarterbacks to win that amount of Super Bowls. Um, So just uh, he and Brady are the only two with that many. Uh, But I think four Super Bowl wins in six to seven appearances, uh, because, again, he has to be above 500. He can't because that's the whole knock against LeBron is that, like, yeah, he's won four, but he's also been to, like, nine and has lost. (laughs) So he's lost over half of them. Um, But, yeah. Four Super Bowl wins and six to seven appearances, three plus MVPs, finishing top ten in passing yards, top five in passing touchdowns. I think that would give Mahomes a uh, damn good case to be considered the GOAT. But, I mean, even the fact that we're saying a case <laughs> to be, to unseat Brady might give you the answer already to that question. But no less than that, though. That's where I think Mahomes would have to be if we're going to go ahead. and that, That's where he has to be as opposed to one t- championship making a good play in an AFC championship game like Tony Romo wanted to do. So I think when we look at, so originally you had the question here as how many does he have to, how many rings does Mahomes have to get to unseat Brady as right. the goat? It's it, unseat Brady as the goat. He needs to get at least seven with winning multiples in a row. It can't be like every two years he wins one. 
Well, that's what Brady did, though. Brady, Brady, like every other year there for a while, was in the Super Bowl. But then he also reeled off like three in a row here. You know, he he reeled off a couple, like like three in four years. By by this time, yeah. By the time Mahomes is his age now, I think Brady already had three. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't keep track of people's birthdays. <laughs> so I, I struggle enough to keep track of my own family's birthdays. So trying to keep track of other people's that I don't even know um, personally, trying to keep track of their birthdays. Yeah. Um, but look, it, he's got to, he, he's got to win. I think seven to be able to unseat now to be in the conversation. He needs to win a couple more MVPs. He needs to put together some really high statistical numbers he needs to win at least three, I'll say, Super Bowls. Because look, when we look at the the conversation of the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the greatest quarterback to ever play, the two that always come up are Brady and Peyton, Tom and Peyton. We don't really talk about Terry Bradshaw or Joe Montana, even though they won you know they were both four and zero in the Super Bowl, whereas you know Peyton was two and two. Um, but Peyton put up these unearthly numbers throughout his career, and probably would still hold quite a few of the records had Tom Brady not played till he, you know, was forty five. And um, again, I don't know if he's forty five because I don't keep yeah, track of people's 45, birthdays. Yeah. Forty five, okay. Yeah. Um, same thing, like you know, and then. You have to at least win more than one, because then you over then you look at players like Drew Brees, who had who held all of those records for a while, and only won one Super Bowl. But Drew Brees is not in the conversation for one of the for the greatest of all time. Then you look at a, a player from the past like Dan Marino, who was a really 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 good quarterback, but never won a Super Bowl. And he's not in those those conversations. So I think it comes down to just a conglomerate of things, not just winning the Super Bowls, but being able to put up consistent MVP and record-breaking numbers. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit harder for Mahomes to do that. And he's going to have to rely more on not just and not record-breaking numbers. It's going to be harder for him to get the record-breaking numbers because he relies so much on his feet as well. You know, a lot of their offense is nothing there. He makes something out of nothing. And that could, that can win you Super Bowls and that can win you MVPs. But it's not going to get you the passing records or anything like that. So I think MVPs and Super Bowls are going to be Mahomes' way to get into that conversation. Everybody's kind of got some side, sort of niche that's, in that conversation, if I, is that making any sense? Yeah. So I because there's so many players that have won a lot of Super Bowls that we just don't put into the conversation. Like Joe but, Montana is not consistently in the conversation for greatest of all time, and we're always looking at Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Right. So because Tom Brady is in another stratosphere, which again I think answers the question right there as far as like who's the goat it's you know whatever you know but you know he's in a such different stratosphere that it has been a long time since we've heard I mean I think Bradshaw isn't talked about as much just because a lot of that is is the steel curtain and not so much right. I mean heck I've I've I back you know 
back when uh, when I had a little bit more time on my hands, I watched all the America's games, like the documentary that they used to do for, and I think they still do for the Super Bowl champions. And you know, t- I think Terry Bradshaw at one point was like either benched or he didn't go into the season as like QB one, even like after some of the Super Bowl wins. It's because like he wasn't as much of a focal point of that office. Like he was like, I'm not sitting here saying Terry Bradshaw wasn't a good quarterback. I mean, he was, he was. But, but it was the fact that I think he's kind of overshadowed a bit by how good that defense was, um, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing. But um, when Brady was first kind of having that first dynasty, he did get compared to Joe Montana. And that was kind of the, the comparison that a lot of people made. And I think that's why, you know, you say three and I just think, um or, or or in that you know in that ballpark and that's why like yes he can win the MVPs yes he can do all the stuff with the numbers but I think I think he can uh, I think that's why the Super Bowls are so critical because the Super Bowl he can win the Super Bowls without having the MP, MVPs and and all that stuff to be considered but he can't like have all those numbers and then you know, not have the Super Bowls, which I think is what you're trying to say. Like, you, you, they, like you have right. to have both, but you definitely need the Super Bowls to be able to do that. But um, Peyton, well, but Peyton's I, only got two. I, I don't know that. I, I don't know. I think Peyton is looked at as one of the greatest of all time because of the mind that he had, the the way that he could read a game read a defense and just maneuver his team on the fly mate puts him put him in that conversation yeah and I he also- had an uncanny ability that not many people had like the way uh, yeah it was just i mean yes he could throw the ball amazing he was a really great quarterback but the way he could just be like three steps ahead of his opponents it felt like was I think what really put him in that conversation. Right. And I think that also, you know, why it's kind of changed a little bit too is that it's the same argument we hear with MJ and LeBron is like one of the big things that gets talked about there is like, oh, well, they played in different eras. That's kind of the same why we don't talk about Montana and Bradshaw as much now because like, oh, well, the game is completely different from what it was back then um, than it is now. But yeah, I I think definitely. I don't know how much different it is from Montana. Because Montana was in a very pass happy offense, right? But still, like the way, like, like I guess compared go, to go. what like nowadays there are, like, passing is the name of the game, and you you run to set up the pass. Where and back the then, rules you, you in, ran are so you, much more geared to passing and that kind of thing, like with the defensive yeah. holding and passing. So they were like, a little bit more of ahead of their time, right? With Montana. So, but yeah, I, I think definitely. So I, I think the number we land on is like four ish is, is where to it, be in the conversation, right? To unseat Brady, you have to at least win seven and one more MVP than he ever did. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I But to be in the conversation, I think you need to win three more. Including the one you've already got. Oh, so you do need to have four. That's what you're saying. You need to win three more. Yeah. Is what you're saying? Okay. I thought you meant yeah. just three alone. I was like, I don't know. No, no. If he needs to I win, been, I think I I worded that wrong. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you need three more. I got you. Moving ahead, we graded another solid Chris Ballard draft class. We had a you know over you know 250 some selections, and 12 of those were the Colts. Uh, they were able to just 
uh, go, you know, do what they've always done, uh, kind of in draft day is, you know, turn, you know, however many picks into, you know, <laughs> just basically, you know, not really doubling the army, picks, but yeah, getting a, a, <laughs> a nice little contingent coming in uh, to Lucas Oil Stadium uh, in 2023. Um, looking at the selections for the Colts, uh, round one, pick four, they go out and get Anthony Richardson, uh, quarterback out of Florida. Great selection there. Uh, last season in Gainesville, he completed 54% of his passes for 2,549 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine picks. He also ran for 654 yards and nine touchdowns. Round two, pick 45, Kansas State cornerback Julius Brents uh, goes to the horseshoe. Uh, he was a 2022 first team member of uh, the Big 12, all Big 12 team. Uh, four interceptions, that was tied for third in the Big 12. Round three, pick 79. Uh, the Colts go out and get North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs, uh, who had back-to-back -back 100 or who had back-to-back 1,000-yard -back seasons uh, the last couple of years. Uh, he had 1,335 yards, eight touchdowns in 2021. Follows that up with 1,029 yards, 11 touchdowns in 2022. He was a two-time recipient of first-team All-ACC honors uh, and had the second-most receptions in FBS the past two seasons with 195. His player comp is Tyler Lockett, which, heck, if you have uh, if you play fantasy football, you know how electric Tyler Lockett can be uh, to have on your team. Uh, round four, uh, the Colts were able to get two picks in that round, uh, fairly close to each other. At 106, they get BYU offensive tackle, Blake Freeland at 110. They get Northwestern defensive end Adi Tamiwa Adi Bare. Um, made sure and went to NFL.com to make sure I had the pronunciation right there. Uh, he was an honorable mention, all Big Ten uh, member in 2022. He led the Wildcats in sacks with five, 38 tackles, nine for loss, and two forced fumbles uh, in the 2022 campaign. Then four picks. For the Colts in round five. Uh, at 138, they get South Carolina cornerback Darius Rush. He had 15 pass breakups, three picks throughout his career. Um, he had a career-high 38 tackles in 2022. His player comp is Richard Sherman, uh, wow. according to CBS. So that's some high praise okay. there um, if the Colts can get. Hey, uh, and that's a, that's a Gus Bradley guy yeah. for you. For sure. Round uh, five, pick 158. The Colts get Cal safety Daniel Scott. No relation to B. Scott there. Uh, top five in the Pac-12 in, in INTs last year with three. He had two forced fumbles, uh, which also had him in the top five in that category last year. Round five, pick 162. The Colts get Miami tight end Will Mallory, uh, who was a member of the 2022 second team All-ACC squad. 538 yards and three touchdowns last season. Um, he He's among he's uh, one of the ten among he's among the uh, FBS tight ends for the last two seasons. Uh, he's top ten there. Um, you know as far as uh, receiving yards. Uh, round five, pick one seventy six. Um, you have Northwestern running back Evan Hall. Um, he had a thousand and nine yards and seven touchdowns in twenty twenty one. Nine hundred and thirteen yards and five touchdowns last season. Five hundred and forty six yards and two touchdowns came in the passing game. Uh, for uh, Evan Hall last season, his player comp is Rex Burkhead, uh, which was a, a, a good uh, you know kind of out of the backfield um, you know target uh, with the uh, Patriots. 
Uh, round six, pick 211. The Colts get Wagner linebacker Titus Leo. Round seven, uh, pick 221. The Colts nab Texas A&M cornerback Jalen Jones, who allowed no touchdowns. Um, and quarterbacks had a 38.5% completion percentage with throwing his way in 2022. So a real lockdown player. I mean, that's numbers in the ACC right there. Uh, which is pretty incredible. And then rounding out the Colts draft, round seven, pick 236 is Northern Michigan offensive tackle Jake Witt. So there you go, 12 players on their way to the Circle City. And when we look at a grade uh, for this draft, I was trying to think of where I wanted to go with it. Last season I gave Ballard a solid B. Um, This year I'm going B+. Um, I know I've seen some places that give them, you know, an A, A minus. Um, I'll get to why it's not that uh, here in a second. Um, but uh, I mean, you look at the average grade of the top six players for the Colts this year. Um, you know, through which goes through the start of round five. Uh, ESPN graded them out on an average of a B. It's like right at eighty uh, percent. And I mean, they went right down the line as far as getting the team's biggest needs. I mean, you know, I talked about last, you know, in our draft preview show for the Colts that uh, you know they needed a quarterback, a cornerback, a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, and that's they went in that order too. They were like, okay, what's the checklist? All right, we got our quarterback. Hey, we got our wide receiver. Or, hey, we got a cornerback. Hey, we got our offensive lineman. Um, you know, there are some things I thought, like, I could nitpick um, that I thought, you know, hey, I'd, I'd rather see this player in a Colts uniform. Uh, like, for instance, Joey Porter Jr. or, or uh, Keely Ringo at the cornerback position. I talked about Jalen Hyatt um, out of Tennessee as a sleeper there. Uh, but to those points, I mean, Julius Brents is the tallest uh, of the cornerback prospects in the top 10, and he's, which, I mean, is a huge attribute to have, um, you know, being one of the tallest guys in that category, and he's still a great prospect. So, uh, you know, not like the Colts didn't get a great player um, in Julius Brents, and then Josh Downs uh, was actually ranked higher than Hyatt by CBS. So, um, you know, the. Just you know, I, I try to find some things to be critical because I was thinking I was like, am I being too am I being too soft? Um, you know, given because I feel like I've given you know Ballard a B like the last few years, um, and so I was like, am I being too soft? Um, and so I, that's what I was kind of looking at there when I was so even when I try to nitpick uh, the draft, um, you know, I, I've you know ended up being like, okay, actually no, that was a good pick. Oh yeah, no, I actually like that pick now that I think about it a little bit more. You know, all in all, this was a typical Ballard draft where he ended up uh, with a boatload of draft capital um, and brought in a lot of strong talent and depth and hit on all the team needs exactly. Um, you know, I went through our old outlines um, and looked at the other draft grades I've given out. I was afraid I was being too critic, too critical. Like I said, uh, first year we did grades was 2020 and that was the Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman draft. I gave that one an A. So I was like, okay, based on that curve, um, I don't know if I, I quite want to go, um, you know, with an A for this one, it's definitely close to that mark. It's probably the closest we've been to that mark. Um, I gave 2021 a C, 2022 a B. So I feel uh, better about a B plus here. So it was, it's right there on that threshold of being an A minus B plus. But um, needless to say, I was pessimistic about this draft, and I, I definitely um, am not coming out on the other side of it. Yeah, I mean. This draft, like I was telling you off air, I thought Chris Ballard, you know, outside of the Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman draft, I mean, because that obviously yielded two really good talents. um, I felt he knocked this one out of the park. I mean, he hit on every team need. He uh, brought in 
they got good value. I feel like at with some of these picks where he ended up getting them, like Julius Brents. I didn't think they were he would be available. Like for them to trade back twice and for him to still be available. I know everybody thought the Colts loved Keely Ringo. He would have been a you know a good pickup as well. Uh, Julius Brents has the size though, um, and I think one of the deciding factors also he is an Indianapolis native. He's a graduate of Warren Central High School. So that always helps as well. But that obviously probably wasn't the deciding factor. There was other reasons. But, you know, this just draft, I'm going to give it a solid A. Because when I start going through it, I I look at, like, obviously, Anthony Richardson um, was, a, I thought, was a, was a great pick. I mean, He's going to take a little bit of time to develop, um, but the Colts having Gardner Minshew allows, does afford that ability, and also because the Colts aren't in a win-now mode. Um, But Anthony Richardson paired with Shane Steichen, this is going to be, has the potential to be a really, really good uh, pickup. I mean, Anthony Richardson's comp uh, by a lot of people on ESPN on draft day, they were comparing him to Cam Newton with a little bit of a higher upside. So that that's actually really exciting to see. Um, and then be able to get Josh Downs in the third round. I mean, that was, I thought he would be going about where the Colts were picking originally in the second round. So being able to pick him up there is, is great. Blake Freeland is a guy that I was really hoping the Colts would land. He's a super athletic uh, tackle. He does have, he's, really good in the run block, which is, hey, that's great with Jonathan Taylor. He does have to get a little bit better with his pass blocking, but that's that's fine. Honestly, Blake Freeland, if he could add about 20 more pounds to his frame, he he could potentially be a starting tackle on this offensive line. Um, I I don't know too much about the add a Tamiwa, add a Barre uh, pick. Because um, when you watch Northwestern, you're just they weren't very good this year. Uh, so he did nothing really stood out there. I mean, if you, I was, I'll be honest, I wasn't consistently watching Northwestern because of that. Uh, Darius rush. He's such an interesting prospect to me because he came into college. He started off as a wide receiver and just recently made the switch to cornerback. Uh, he's got amazing speed. He was one of the graded out as one of the fastest corners at the combine this year. Uh, so that's really great. Daniel Scott is interesting to me as well. He's going to be a key special teams player, but he's also one of those guys that he can step back in the safety role or he can come up and play in the slot uh, at corner as well. And honestly, I kind of hope he makes a good name for himself because I would love to buy a Daniel Scott jersey um, just to have a jersey that says Scott and actually be a player on the team. Uh, Will Mallory, that was an interesting pick. Um, I knew I've kind of you kind of laughed at me when I said the Colts should pick a tight end. You said that's a that's a that's a full room. You're right it is. Will Mallory though graded out as one of the faster uh, uh, tight ends in the draft. Also fun fact, he is the grandson of the late Indi- Indiana football coach Bill Mallory. So a little bit of a tie there. Evan Hall, I love this pick. He kind of fits into the the scheme a little bit of where Naheem Hines has been in the past. Uh he is a good running back, but he's also he's more well known for his pass catching abilities out of the backfield. So I can't wait to see what they do with him. Um, 
Wagner linebacker Titus Leo, I feel like this could be one of those picks that, you know, Chris Ballard always finds a diamond in the rough. And that kind of is what this pick is. And then uh, Texas A&M quarterback Jalen Jones. I mean, for somebody that, you know, was pretty much a shutdown corner in the SEC to fall to the seventh round, that's really interesting to me. And then Jake Witt, another athletic offensive lineman coming from Northern Michigan. There's not much tape or numbers on him because he's coming from Northern Michigan. Uh, They just didn't have much info. But I love that pick as well. Good value in the seventh round. Look, the Colts, what the big theme of the draft for them this year was athletic ability. This team, uh, the Colts put together one of the most athletic hauls in the two, 2023 NFL draft. If you look at the relative athletic scores for the players that the Colts picked up, uh, I mean, Anthony Richardson with a perfect score of 10, Julius Brents with a 9.99. Josh Downs with an 8.99, Blake Freeland with a 9.83, Adi Tamwa, Abade, Abade, uh, yeah, uh, 9.72, Darius Russ, 9.8, Daniel Scott, 9.94, Will Mallory, 9.05, Evan Hall, 9.32, Titus Leo, 8.48, Jalen Jones, 8.79, and there wasn't a relative score for Tyler Witt um, because they're just, or Jake, Jake Witt, just because there was not any, he was not at the combine and there wasn't really any information available for him. But I mean, this just shows that Ballard was looking to bring in an influx of elite athletes in this draft. And he accomplished that hands down. Um, and it, like, as I, as, you, as I said, you can see in the relative athletic score, um, the Colts, I feel like, knocked this one out of the park and were one of the, the better drafting teams this year. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about all that athleticism, and that's what like really makes me um, excited to watch these guys get on the field because, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, it really feels like um, the Colts are starting to get a, uh, a strong, like, core for the future. It, it kind of – it finally kind of after – you know, last season really didn't you didn't really know what direction the Colts were going in. Now you finally kind of see a direction and you know, I'm excited to watch a lot of these guys get on the field. I mean, first and foremost, you know, Anthony Richardson. I think he might be the most excited. I'm I'm you know, I, yeah, I'm I, I'm probably the most excited to see him get on the field. I know that's kind of the obvious yeah. you know, the obvious one getting off the get off, getting off the jump here, but you know, touched on it last week. You touched on it as well. His player comp uh, was Cam Newton on CBS, on e, his comp on ESPN is Josh Allen. Um and most importantly, um it was noted on in his post draft analysis that uh, you know, by ESPN that he has similar traits to Jalen Hurts, who Shane Steichen turned into a Super Bowl caliber quarterback uh this past season you know you touched on Gardner Minshew as well I'm really you know I, I say I'm excited to watch Anthony Richardson I'm actually hope hoping that I'll be seeing Gardner Minshew for the first you know few weeks as uh, you know Anthony Richardson develops and I think it also hey, matters Jim Ursay Jim Ursay has come out and said that it is also or Ursay and Ballard have come out and said it is ultimately up to coach Steichen of when the reins will be handed over to Anthony Richardson. Yeah, and I, I what I think it makes it all that more more better is the fact that Minshew played for the Eagles last season. He was in Shane Steichen's system, and that may even help kind of accelerate 
um, accelerate the you know learning curve that Anthony Richardson is going to have and the development developmental curve because you know hey if he's got any issues you know he's got a guy right in that room um, aside from Syke and who can be like hey this is how things are done um, so that's really uh, something that could be cool um, you know I could see the plan being starting Minshew Mania until the bye week usually the Colts have a later bye week so I can see you know hey it's it's week ten. The Colts are going into their their bye week. They're you know whatever, or maybe even whatever week they play on Thursday. Uh, that could also be an option as well. You know they they're gearing up for a Thursday night game. They play their Thursday night game against the Broncos, a rematch of the greatest oh, Thursday night game of oh, all time. God. You're um, and, you're, uh, you're bringing up. Uh, I I saw a TikTok recently, uh, just this a couple days ago, of somebody saying, "Ah, oh, great! Here's a potential Thursday night matchup we can see in the future: Will Levis versus Anthony yeah. Richardson. Four touchdowns thrown to six interceptions combined between two <laughs> quarterbacks. Because the biggest knock on both of those quarterbacks, obviously, was accuracy. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a potential Thursday night matchup because that's one we've seen before: the Titans and the Colts several times right yeah so i mean it could be it could be either like basically the second buy that you get with uh with that or you could see um you know after their actual buy so that's a really cool thing uh richardson's an elite athlete he's gonna go into the season with a lot of talent as, at his disposal i mean you know looking at just kind of down the roster i mean hopefully you're gonna get a full season of a healthy jt you've got zach moss who at the end of the season showed flashes you bring in hall uh josh downs joins a, a wide receiver core of Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie. You know, you did mention the full tight end room. Uh, it's headlined by Kylan Grants and Jelani Woods. Unfortunately, I can kind of see Moali Cox kind of being on that you know edge of yeah, being but pushed. He's, I mean, he is your best inline blocker in that room, right? So I don't veteran presence. I mean, so that that's what's really tough is like if you're gonna go for a running game like an RPO type. Uh, yeah, that's true. Strategy. I mean. Mo Ali Cox right there is one of your better blockers at, at tight end. Whereas that's where Will Mallory was at one of the weakest. He was, he's not a very good blocker, but so I, I, I don't know that it's going to be interesting because that room is very crowded. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like this is the right system for Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, and there's a great young core around him for him to thrive in. So really excited to see him, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, there's a lot of exciting things about what they did on defense as well. I mean, you know, Aditamewa, Adibare, um, you know, he's got great strength and speed, ran the fastest. You know, you talked, we've talked about athleticism a lot tonight already. You know, he ran the fastest 40-yard dash of any player over 280 pounds since 2006 at the compound earlier this Athletes. year. Athletes. Exactly. Athletes. And not only that, not only is he quick, but he's got versatility. He can play on the edge. He can move inside a defensive tackle. Um, you love that versatility, and you know, the, and which is great because you have an already great D line that the Colts are already. Uh, you know, you have a lot of great players on that defensive line for the Colts, and so that you ha now that you bring in another guy who can kind of move around and, and be plugged in where he's needed, that just makes him all that more uh, better. So I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of players to be excited about for the Colts this year. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, on offense, you, you look at Anthony Richardson first and foremost. But for me, I'm really kind of looking at Josh Downs as my player I'm most excited for. Um, everybody thought when Will McKenzie or Isaiah McKenzie was brought in that he was going to be the, the, the starter from the get-go, the replacement of Paris Campbell. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure of that anymore because of what Josh Downs brings to the table. Um, I mean, 
he has great control of his body. He knows how to make contested catches, uh, whether it's on the outside, the inside, across the middle. I mean, he he's he's going to be a fun one to watch. I mean, when we look at his size and everything, is I think his biggest comparable is T.Y. Hilton for this team because, look, when T.Y. was drafted, I said it. I didn't think he was going to be much of anything more than a glorified putt returner. Josh Downs can do that as well. Um, so, I mean, Josh Downs has the ability, I think, is going to give the Colts something that they haven't had since T.Y. Hilton was kind of more in his prime. We all something that we all thought Paris Campbell could become, but just couldn't stay healthy. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to see the, what kind of element Josh Downs brings to this Colts offense, especially with the way Shane Steichen's going to run. I can't wait. I can I say Shane Steichen as the player I'm most excited <laughs> to see on offense, even though he's the head coach. I can't wait to see what he is able to do, the kind of offense he chooses to run with this team, just based off of what we saw from Philadelphia recently. Um, on defense, the player that I'm most excited to uh, I'm, I'm most excited to watch there is uh, South Carolina cornerback Darius Rush. Like I said, uh, he used to play wide receiver, switched over to corner. Uh, one of the things about him is he, you know, he he's not a, a clean route runner with wide receivers all the time, uh, but he's got the speed to make up for that. He ran like, in the four three range uh for the 40 at the combine so he's one of the he's fast um so he's got the speed he knows how to high point a ball his uh, background as a wide receiver is going to pay dividends here for him because he's got that size he's got the speed and he he can think like a wide receiver so i'm really excited to watch him i guess second for me would obviously be julius brents uh just because of his size as well i mean look Gus Bradley has has he's going to make over making over this secondary here. He's bringing in the players that he like the attributes that he likes in his secondary players, and that's 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 length. And this draft for the Colts was not lacking in length in the defensive secondary for sure. So before we move on to the draft as a whole, um, one final kind of question here on a scale of hot to cold, what's your level of optimism from this draft? Uh, for me, for me, it's warm. Uh, you know, I, as I noted before, I went in the draft very pessimistic. You know, as we all know, I, you know, I said, like I said, Ballard addressed all the Colts' needs. Uh, he didn't do anything crazy, and he came away with twelve picks. Um, you know, I, I said it before that uh, I said it last week that or maybe it was the, during the Colts draft preview that I said, like, it's it basically my optimism level all hinges on the first pick. And a lot of the pessimism came from the, you know, discussion and the talks and the rumors that the Colts were going to take Will Levis. I did not want Will Levis. I thought, you know, yes, you have your obvious one and two in Stroud and Young. Um, you have your, you know, and then after that you have – Richardson Levis and then after that there's another drop off and I thought between those two uh Richardson you know I kind of came around on Richardson I I talked myself into it not and I feel different from the time from last year when I talked myself into Matt Ryan <laughs> last year I, I I didn't really I didn't like the decision to go get Matt Ryan I talked myself into it and then I like my gut instinct was right all along um, not necessarily that he'd be that bad, but that he wasn't the solution the Colts necessarily needed. This year, you know, I, I, I 
I was so like excited to potentially get Stroud, and then once that was off the board, I kind of got pessimistic. But then I, you know, I looked at Richardson and Levis. I came around on Richardson. So when all the discussion was, oh hey, the Colts are going to take Levis, I was like, please, please do not take Will Levis. Uh, I mean, if you need any bigger red flag, he puts mayo in his coffee. That's all you need to know about him. Um, <laughs> and so, well, no, I, actually, if you if you listen to what some of the guys were like uh, Mel Kiper and them were talking about with one of the biggest reasons he fell was teams just get turned off by some of the stuff that they saw from him, such as the mere selfies, the, his infatuation with the gun show with his arms. It's like, look tight. Like quarterbacks don't look like that anymore. Like even like the Peyton Mannings of the world, they didn't, they weren't like ripping these huge biceps or anything. So the infatuation he had with himself was something that really turned teams off and was a one of the key contributors to why he fell. Right. They just it's like if if you're if you're two and two yourself, how are you going to be able to handle leading a team? But yeah, to tie a bow on it, that, that my my pessimism was that I didn't want the Colts to draft Will Levis. I knew the the fourth pick was going to kind of set the tone for how the draft was going to go and and how you know I was going to view the draft. And so when it got off hot with them getting Richardson, um, I, I felt pretty good from there on out. So yeah, no, I, I'm I'm back into positive vibes, positive spirits when it comes to the Colts. So for me, I'm I'm warmer than warm, but not hot. I'm kind of somewhere in between, you know, that that perfect place where you get in the shower and it's like, yeah, this is a perfect temperature. Um, I say that because the Colts, they answered a lot of questions, filled in a lot of needs, but they are still in a position where we all kind of know, like we cannot one, we can all see a general direction they're going in which is great. That's what the Colts needed. They needed a vision. The Colts have a vision now. They know the direction they want to go in, and it's eventually we're going to get there. It's just be prepared for another bumpy season. And I'm actually I, I'm kind of happy about that, just based off of the prospects coming into next year's draft, which is absolutely loaded. Now, the Colts, you know, most likely, if, you know, even just just because they'd be possibly picking in the top five, top ten, doesn't mean they need a quarterback. Um, you know, we can't be a Tennessee and draft a new quarterback in hopes that that's the replacement uh, every year. But the Colts have the opportunity, you know, to gain these young guys' experience and still be able to build for the future to become a legitimate long-term Super Bowl contender. And I that makes me very optimistic about the future. Does that make me am I optimistic as far as wins go for this next season? No. I, I I'm not um but that it in the in the long run that's actually a good thing. So but hey, if I'm proven wrong and the Colts come out and look a ton better and make the playoffs, I'll be like, "Hey, that's fine because that means the development of these players is, is ahead of schedule. Yeah, did we miss out on a player like Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yeah, we did. But, hey, it's okay because um, things are looking better now. So I think it's going to be a win-win regardless. 
Oh yeah, I, like next I said, season. Like I said, I, I think it finally seems like the Colts have a direction where, for a lot of last year in this off season to start off with, it did not look like and that was going to be the Colts case. actually have a quarterback that's different. It's different for the Colts. I mean, Andrew Luck was probably the most athletic quarterback the Colts have had in recent memory. And I mean, by no means was he like a tuck it and run as much as he can type player. He did out of necessity and look where that got him. But, um, you know, the Colts like recently have just been bringing in these statues almost. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to watch a player like Anthony Richardson under center with the Colts. And I mean, oh my gosh, him and Jonathan Taylor, that tandem could has the potential to be one of the best QB running back tandems in the NFL because now with Anthony Richardson out there, defenses are going to have to pause for a second when he goes to hand off the ball because is he keeping it? Is he really handing it to Jonathan Taylor? They have to read the moment and that's going to give either one of them enough time to put up some pretty big numbers. So I, some, I read somewhere, somebody say, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's uh, touches may decrease, but ultimately could see his yardage go up because of um, the threat of Anthony Richardson running. I I like that you brought up Andrew Luck because that's another thought that I had, I think, either yesterday morning or this morning where I was like, hopefully Richardson can come out and and be, you know, I I mean, obviously he's not the prospect that Andrew Luck was, but hopefully he can come out and be good because I am so tired of Ryan Grigson getting credit for drafting Andrew Luck. (laughs) So hopefully now, uh, you know, drafting Anthony Richardson, he can become a good enough player to where that kind of quiets that that part of the Grigson is better than uh, Ballard uh, uh, tandem there. Um, So hopefully that can be the case. The show that was the most successful from this past year on all platforms was our IHSAA football preview. Here's a portion of that podcast. Uh, moving on to 4A. Uh, before we kick off, we're going to say what we do in a, in a lot of our previews. Uh, you know your team, your area better than us, so if we miss something, feel free to drop that in the comment section down below. Give us your thoughts, anything you thought. Hey, you guys missed this or you got this wrong. Please let us know because there are a lot of schools to cover. Um, thank goodness for things like Indiana Football Digest, uh, John Harrell, and Max Preps. That's pretty much where I lived um, this past weekend, uh, getting all the lowdown on all the teams. So, uh, biggest storyline there for me is how real are East Central running backs Josh Ringer? Uh, how realistic uh, is his Mr. Indiana football hopes? Um, you know, he's on the short list, according to the Indy Star. Of the last 10 Mr. Football winners, three have been uh, have been the running back position. Uh, we had Markel Jones from Columbus East in 2014, Charlie Spiegel from New Pal in 2019, Carson Steele from Center Grove in 2020. Uh, how Ring- Ringer stacks up against those guys, Jones had uh, 3,500 rushing yards and 60 touchdowns. Spiegel had 3,100 rushing yards and 55 touchdowns. Then you have Ringer, who last year put up uh, 2,368 uh, rushing yards and 39 touchdowns. Then you had Steele uh, having uh, 
1,659 yards and 31 touchdowns. Uh, Ringer was third in the state in rushing yards. He's the state leader as far as returnees go. He also led the state with 42 touchdowns, uh, four touchdowns in the 4A uh, state championship. So if he can put together another season where he flirts with 2,500 rushing yards and leads the state uh, leads the state in that category as well as touchdowns and route to a title, I mean, I think he's got a really compelling chance if he has anything close to uh what he did last year i think he'll be in in a good position yeah this the 4a i think it it has quite a bit of talent um i think that's going to be the key i think that's going to be the biggest storyline is the 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 level of talent that's coming out of 4a um can they contend with the 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 5a and 6a on names on bigger bigger schools um I think that's that's my kind of my storyline is just how this talent can take over the the four the class four a um, whether it's you know who you just talked about or Mylon Graham out of New Haven. There's just a lot. There's some good good solid talent there, and I'm really interested to see how that is looked at on the the grand stage as far when it comes to the Indiana Mister Football. Yeah. Because we have seen that the Indiana Mr. Football voters are not afraid to go after to select somebody from a lower class. I mean, heck. Like usually you might think, oh, you know, they were really good, but look at the level of competition they were playing against. They're not afraid to say, hey, this 1A linebacker who also plays wide receiver, he he is the best player in the state, regardless of, of level. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, you've got Jack Kaiser from Pioneer. I think they were 1A. Uh, you've got Charlie Spiegel, like which I talked about. He was from 5A New Pal. Um, last year, Drake Bowen uh, was 2A Andrean. So, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right, They, which is nice to see. It's nice to see that they're not just like, well, it's got to be a 6A guy or a 5A guy. It, it can be those guys that are at you know some of the lower levels who just are like, hey, you know what? Yeah, our opponent's – may not be as tough as 6A, but at the same time, our numbers reflect that. It's not like everyone's putting out the numbers we are or close to those numbers. Like We are showing you that, hey, we, we are playing the lesser opponent and taking advantage of that and putting up really you know gaudy stats and things like that. So um, as far as uh, tough as sectional goes, uh, I'm looking at sectional 24. Uh, it's always a you – know, we talked about the Fort Wayne schools. It's just as crazy with the Evansville schools as well. Um, Evansville writes they went under they had an undefeated season uh, a year ago uh, in the regular season um, they were the, either the preseason number two in 4A according to Indiana Football Digest they returned running back defensive lineman Levi Oxley who was on the all 3C media team last year he's back and ready to contribute on both sides of the ball again you've got Evansville Memorial who's ranked number six by Indiana Football Digest they made it to the regional last season before losing to East Central you've also got a pesky Boonville team that was 8-4 and four last year too so you You've got a lot of teams in the southern uh, part of Indiana as well that that like to beat and bang on each other, and and we'll see you know who can maybe emerge from that sectional, and and if they can be you know a team that's you know contending at the end of the year. Yeah, I I, I agree. Sectional twenty four is a bloodbath, and that's always a fun one to keep an eye on. What I love about uh, about four A the most is that it. This is where we see a lot of the really good schools up in Northern Indiana and Southern Indiana. This is the one where you can almost leave central Indiana out of the conversation. Uh, to me, that that's a lot of fun. I, I really do like that. I mean, there are a couple of teams in 4A that 
um, in central Indiana that get their nose in there every once in a while. But, you know, anything coming from North and South is, is super entertaining. So yeah, but sectional 24, I mean, it's, it's very similar to the Fort Wayne area. Those schools are going to beat up on each other. And anybody that comes out of there does have a legitimate shot to make that run to Lucas oil stadium. Uh, so definitely keeping an eye on, on that sectional as well. Player to watch. Uh, I'm st- I'm staying with East Central running back, uh, the senior Josh Ringer. Um, going to going to Miami of Ohio, so staying in the MAC. But uh, I kind of wish he was. I kind of wish he was coming to Ball State, but it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> he had nearly 2,400 yards, uh, 39 touchdowns uh, on the ground last season, 42 total. We mentioned that. Four games of four or more rushing touchdowns, including the 4A state final. Uh, he had five touchdowns versus Martinsville, also in the 4A state tournament. Six touchdowns versus South Dearborn in September. That earned him 3C Media Player of the Week honors. I know that put him on our radar. Um, he's a front runner for Mr. Football in Indiana, and he's going to be pivotal to East Central's plan of going back-to-back. So Josh Ringer is my player to watch. I think he can have a really outstanding season. In 4A, it begin, the conversation should begin and end with New Haven wide receiver Mylon Graham. Mylon Graham is a five-star recruit committed to Ohio State, chose Ohio State over offers from Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas A&M. They have good wide receivers, right? What? Ohio State typically has good wide receivers, right? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) uh, But, I mean, his tape is eye-popping. Last year he caught 48 passes for – over 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns. Yes, New Haven was only 5-5 five and five last year, and they lost in the first round of the sectionals to DeKalb. But, man, this kid has what it takes to really uh, take help take New Haven to the next level this season. If he can live up to his, his ranking and his five yeah, – with the five stars, there's no reason he can't – help New Haven be more successful this year. And honestly, if he wants to be considered a, even be considered for the, for Indiana, Mr. Football, he's going to have to take that next step and really help take uh, New Haven to some more success this year than just five and five. Right. Right. Um, so as far as the dark horse goes and our state champion, uh, I'm going uh, dark horse wise, I'm going to go with Kokomo. Uh, they finished uh, in the top 10 uh, in 5A, according to Max Preps, uh, seventh in the final AP poll, eight, uh, sixth in the coaches poll. The Wildcats earned their first sectional and regional title since 2017 last year. Um, they lost to eventual state runner up New Prairie in the semi state. Uh, IFD has them at preseason number four in 4A. And although they'll have to break in a new signal caller in 2023, they do return all state running back Darian Story, uh, who ran for nearly tw- uh, 1,200 yards and 17 touchdowns uh, on, on the offensive side. And they also get all state defensive back um, Reese Beard back as well. He had 64 tackles, eight for loss, 11 pass breakups, and three interceptions in 2022. So they've got a lot of talent on that Kokomo team. And I think they can go uh, deep into that. Uh, uh, tournament as well. Of course, I mean, heck, they only lost by one point to New Prairie. I believe that was a ten to nine final. So, uh, you know, they're they were right there in the conversation. Um, you know, to get to uh to Lucas Oil last year, and I think they they have the firepower to do it again. However, I'm gonna keep the trend going. Uh, with my state championship picks, uh, I'm gonna go with East Central. Uh, you know, they it's so hard to ignore 
what the Trojans did last season and, and, and what they bring back this year. I know I've talked a lot about Josh Ringer and all of his successes and all he brings to the table. They also return uh, quarterback Cole Burton. Uh, he had nearly 1,800 yards, 22 touchdowns a year ago. Um, he uh, They also return All-State offensive lineman Noah Snyder, All-State linebacker Braden Rouse. Rouse last year, 83 tackles, 4.5 sacks, and a fumble recovery. Uh, the Trojans were a force last year, and with all they have coming back, um, I think it'll be more of the same. I think that, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I, I picked, I picked, you know, some of my other picks were just kind of based on past history or, like, on a whim. Uh, with this one, it's like, man, all the talent they have coming back is just so crazy. And so I'm going with the Trojans to repeat this year. Um, so for me, I don't know if you can really call this one a dark horse, but I'm going, my, my dark horse pick is um, Evansville Wright. Um, yeah, I know. They finished <laughs> number two last year, preseason number two this year. But I don't know. I just I feel like that Evans, like I said earlier, that Evansville sectional is going to set them up pretty nicely. Um, it, you know, especially when you are you're returning one of your key players on, that's on both sides of the ball with uh, Levi Oxley. I it's hard to overlook some of those things. Um, so yeah, Evansville rights is my dark horse. And I agree with, I'm going with you as well on this one. East central, um, man, I mean, last year what was, was really, they were just out of this world. Um, really on both sides of the ball. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see if they can continue that success into this season, um, and make that run again. But, Again, it's one of those things that with, with what they are returning, it, it, it you have to say the state championship, the 4A state championship is theirs until proven otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, they've just got so much coming back. And, I mean, there are a lot of good teams at the top of 4A as well, but it's just so hard to ignore uh, what East Central returns. And finally, we wrap things up with a snippet from another well-received podcast, our IHSAA Boys Basketball State Finals Preview. One final game to get into uh, tonight. That's uh, the 4A state final, tipping off at 8.15. We all know it'll probably be more like 8.30, 8.45, depending on how long the first game of the evening goes. But that is the number five Kokomo Wildcats. They're 24-4 and against number one Ben Davis, the Giants. They're 32-0, and looking to go undefeated. I think uh the first they're looking to be the first team to go undefeated uh since Warren Central did it like back in 2017 or 18 um Warren Central when I think you know 33 and 0 um so these two teams played back in December with Ben Davis winning 58 to 51 uh looking at the Wildcats road to Gamebridge in the sectionals they beat Harrison of West Lafayette 68 to 63 in overtime before defeating Marion in the sectional championship 85 to 51 in the regional they defeated um Fort Wayne North 68 to 55 in the semi state they won 73 to 51 over Fort Wayne Wayne before knocking off my 4A state championship pick uh number 2 pin 58 to 57 uh the giants rode to gamebridge in the sectionals they defeated southport 50, 62 to 46 
Uh, they defeated Franklin Central 76-46 before defeating Pike in the championship 80-59. In the regionals, they defeated number 6 Indianapolis Cathedral, the defending 4A champs, uh, 63-53. And then in the semi-state, they won 78-55 over Bloomington North uh, before beating number 8 Brownsburg to earn to punch their ticket to Cambridge Fieldhouse. They defeated the the uh, they defeated Brownsburg 66-38. Wow, so, that score. Yeah, that score kind of stands out to me. Right. Oof. Yeah, insane. I mean, um, Brownsburg's got five-star cannon catchings leading that team. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, they're the number eight team in in four A. I mean, that's to it's one thing to oh you you know you yes you you played a four A team, but that four A team was like fourteen and whatever, and you beat them by thirty. Like that's that's one of the top teams in the state that you're beating down by thirty points. So pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. As far as my player to watch, I'm going with Kokomo Jr. I think he's a junior. I wrote down senior, but he's a junior, I believe. Flory, he's B- a junior. Flory Badunga. Uh, he averages 20. No, Flory B- Badunga. Badunga? Yeah. And the in the pronunciation guide here, it is B B I H B Dune, like the word Dune. Ga. Badunga. Badunga. Okay. I. I mean, I mean this in the most respectful way possible. It reminds me of Bazinga. That's what I'm going to have to remind me of. It's got that same cadence. <laughs> it has that yeah. same cadence as Bazinga. Badunga. Hey, you do okay. what you got. You do hey. what you got to do. Hey, I'm going with that. Um, yeah. He averages 20 points per game. He's 10th in 4A uh, in scoring, 31st in the state. Average, he averaged 24 points per game this postseason. He had 28 points per game. He's uh, He's got a 28 points per game average during semi-state. He had 31 points versus Fort Wayne Wayne and 25 points versus Penn. He had uh, His 14 rebounds per game is the best in 4A. He had 19 rebounds versus Fort Wayne Wayne, 22 versus Penn. He also leads the class in blocks per game with 4.5. He had 16 points, 17 rebounds, 7 blocks versus Ben Davis, back um in december uh so if kokomo wants to bring down the giants they're gonna need another big game another big day from badunga they're gonna need him to have another fantastic night like he's done all postseason and when i looked when i looked for my key to the game um i um i figured the best place to find the answer to this question was to go back to their matchup in december and honestly Kokomo played Ben Davis pretty well in that game. They had a better field goal percentage. They shot better from the line. They had the same number of rebounds, also had more blocks. Um, the couple of things that I saw that kind of you know stood out um, was you know Kokomo was better from the while Kokomo was better from the free throw line. Ben Davis shot more free throws, meaning that obviously the Wildcats were committing more fouls, and Kokomo also had 15 turnovers to Ben Davis's six. So. When you play a team like Ben Davis, every possession counts. I mean, they're undefeated for a reason. They capitalize off of all your mistakes incredibly well. You can't give them second chances. So when I look at my key to the game, if you're Kokomo, every possession has to count. You, you, can't, you can't afford to have too many possessions where you throw the ball away, where you, you know, have a steal, where you can't have too many possessions where you end up fouling Ben Davis on a shot that they were going to miss. You know, you have to maximize all the opportunities you have, and that's why I think the key to the game is if Kokomo – because, I mean, I kind of put the onus on Kokomo when I was looking at this game because Ben Davis, I mean, I don't need to sit here – 
and rattle off all the ways that Ben Davis is amazing. They're 32 and 0 for a reason. They're they're one of the best team. They're the best team in the state for a reason. There's not much more I can say on that. So I put the onus on Kokomo. They they're the ones that have to execute and get it done. They've got to maximize every possession they have, and that's 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 my key to the game for them. Yeah. So my player to watch uh, is from Ben Davis. I am actually looking at the guy that is going to be charged with uh, going. Or, defending and playing up against uh, Flory Badunga. Badunga. Uh, I'm looking at Zane Doty. Um, he's, you know, he's 6'9", not the 6'10", that Badunga is. Um, but he is Ben Davis's leading scorer. So this is going to be a battle uh, down down low. Um, and it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, obvious. And he's averaging, you know, 13.6 points per game, 9.3 rebounds. He, he, no, his field goal percentage is nowhere close to what Badunga's is, but you know it. it he is still a a strong threat on the inside, so it's going to be a, a battle definitely down low. Um, for me, the key to this game, you know, Kokomo needs to find a a few, a, not just one more score, not a secondary score but a third option as well. They need to be able to spread the ball around because that is one thing that Ben Davis does really well. Yeah, their leading score only averages 13.6, but they have several players. I mean, there's not there's only one player on their entire roster that averages less than one point per game. One player. I mean, this team shares the ball extremely well. They're averaging 15.2 assists per game. They 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 move the ball around. They and they have guys that can step up any given game. That that's huge. So for Kokomo, if they really want to contend, you know, Badunga is gonna get his. It, it it's just a, it it's a, it's a given. But is who else is going to be able to step up and get some more get get some more scoring um, for Kokomo? That's that's the key. They need to be able to find a second and a third option to be able to keep Ben Davis honest. Because if not, look, Ben Davis is going to guard Kokomo exactly the way other uh, in college basketball teams were guarding Purdue. All claps down on the center and, you know, dare the other players to try to make a basket. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Um because right now, Ben, like I said, Ben Davis, they distribute the ball, they share it. it it's it very well spread out. Um, so the key to the game is definitely finding a second and third option come offense for Kokomo. Yeah, it, it's going to be. It's they're going to have to have everybody contribute if they want to to pull it off here. Um, looking at my prediction, you know, I really want to go Kokomo here, especially because when I picked Penn, I. I had people. I had people on the TikTok channel. They were they were giving me grief. They're like, "Oh, how could you pick? How could you pick Penn over Ben Davis? What do you mean? It's it's like I've always I've heard uh you know Ryan Rosillo say this a couple of times where he's like, you know what? If you're not a fan of the team that you know somebody picks, you know that team's never played anybody. And that's what everybody was in my comments section saying. Oh, you know the reason why Penn's numbers are the way that they are is because they haven't played anybody. And I'm like, you know what? Ben, you know, Ben Davis almost has the same average. Does that mean, does that, what does that mean for them? So, you know, I kind of want to go against them for that, but, you know, they played, and and also, like, Kokomo did play Ben Davis well the first time around, and that's what, like, makes, like, makes it all the much, 
more hard to not go with them. Um, but the Wildcats, but that's just it, though, is that the, the Kokomo had a really good chance, played a really great game against Ben Davis back in December. I know they're two different teams now, but they still came up short. After that insane um, insane performance by Badunga where he had, you know, 17 rebounds and, you know, all, you know, a ton of blocks and that kind of thing. You know, yes, he didn't get his, you know, average as far as point total goes. But aside from that, like, one of his best nights of the year in terms of blocks, in terms of rebounding, was against Ben Davis. Uh, ben Davis, as you mentioned, has the answer uh, for Badunga in terms of uh, Zane Doughty, who was the leading scorer with 13 points. He had the 13 points uh, in that meeting back in December as well as eight rebounds. You know, on another note, when you look at common opponents, the teams both these teams have played, Ben Davis is 6-0, and Kokomo's 3-2. and I, I don't like going chalk. I don't like going, you know, with the team that, you know, doesn't have the better story, the underdog, that kind of thing. I mean, going undefeated is a great story as well. I'm not underselling that. Um, Kokomo is kind of the, the you know, kind of the, I don't want to say Cinderella, they're the number five team, but they're kind of the underdog pick, and I want to go with them. But give me Ben Davis. I think they get the job done. They finish it off. They go 33-0. and I mean, what a magical season they have, and I think they finish the job and, uh, and, and get it done, get their perfect season. Yeah, I mean, I want to – it's hard. I don't know. Kokomo is a fun story um, just because you don't – it's just a team you don't ever hear about. Not, haven't know, won a title have, since 61. Like, they're, they're going and, on – this is 60 years <laughs> that they haven't won a championship. And it's not often for them to get a player of the caliber of Flory Badunga. Um, but Ben Davis is just on a, I mean, 32 and oh, this team has beaten every challenger. And they're just, Most I don't of the know. Time it's, too. They average- yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a fun game. But it's hard to pick Ben Davis, so I have to go Ben Davis. I, I I would. It's one of those again. I would not be upset if Kokomo won because I would love to see that upset. And yes, that's an upset. Um. But yeah, give me Ben Davis. They complete the perfect season. Well, there. That's a ha- tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to do in four A to complete a perfect season. Oh yeah, especially at, at any level in Indiana high school basketball. So I mean. Honestly, I'm thinking back, like in my time in high school, I don't believe, I think maybe my senior year, the Lawrence North basketball team went undefeated, but there were losses every other season I can remember. I mean, Arlington, for instance, um, North Central. I mean, there was, yeah. So well, it's I mean, tough. And then that's just it. I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, it's harder. I mean, I know there's, you know, more games too, but like, I, you know, it's really hard to go undefeated in basketball because you just have one bad night you you lose a game and that's that's why a lot of times you know i almost get in my head when i'm making these picks at the beginning of the tournament where you know you have like a wapahani team that like lost their first game of the year and hadn't lost since like i was like oh man that just means they're due and in basketball that that bell comes you know that bell rings you know more often than it does you know because in football obviously you know it's more about like brute strength this team's stronger than the other team and it's easier to kind of go with that but um but yeah i mean you know you never know when you know you're finally gonna get that. I mean, we literally saw it last year. Chesterton was undefeated, goes in and plays Cathedral, gets their doors blown off. So I mean, yeah. you, you just never know what you're gonna see. Um, so it is tough, but I, I, I think Ben Davis gets it done. I, you know, they, they get it's a really impressive feat. So if they do get it done, 
congrats to them. Hats off to them because that's an amazing season. Thank you for tuning in to the Best of 3C Media 2023. As always, we're so incredibly grateful for all of your support from this past year and can't wait to see what 2024 brings. Happy New Year, everyone.